Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen, and welcome back, everybody. Wow, what a fun time it was being on Zoom last week and seeing everybody's faces. I'm still kind of carrying that with me into tonight. How about you, Sarah Ellen? 
Oh, it was so fun. It was just like a last-minute thing since Blog Talk we didn't think was up and running. And then I didn't even know you were going to have your camera on. So it was a surprise even for me. I thought we were just Zooming, but it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And I enjoy the Zoom sessions that I do with um, my what I call my far-flung students, the mentored students and the correspondence course students who live all over the world, and we do a, three Zoom sessions a month. So if you like being in that kind of format last week for this, where you could see each other and ask questions and see me, um, one way to get more of that is to start a correspondence course and remember, we're having a special. You can sign up a buddy to join you in your correspondence course, and they get all the perks of the correspondence course for just an extra $100, including getting to come yeah. to the Zoom session. Mm. So uh, nonetheless, I am so happy to be back on the phone where I can walk. And I would think better when I'm walking, I believe how about you? Um, you know, I actually sit while we're doing this because I just feel I'm, I feel more prepared in front of the screen opening lines and things. But um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do enjoy seeing on the phone. It's, um, I don't know, there's something about that little bit of mystery of just the voice <laughs> and not the face. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it opens things differently. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I r- remember hearing that as the movies went from silent to having sound, that there were some very popular. Um, actors and actresses who couldn't make the transition because their voices were so different than the way they looked. Mmm, how fascinating. Right. Wow. Wow. Oh, what a fun little study that would be if I were taking, like, a college class in in that or something, (laughs) you know, in, yeah, in old film. Oh, wow, that's so fascinating. And so we got finally got some winter weather, and um, it, even enough winter weather to complain about. Oh. Although not, of course, not of course what they were. They're saying, "Oh, it could snow an inch an hour. You could get up to two feet of snow. We got six inches. Okay, six inches. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to, it'd be enough to dig my snowshoes out and go for a snowshoe stomp." Although it's supposed to be 50 degrees by midnight tonight. It's like, <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That snow's not going to be... The winter of wacky, wacky weather. And it was snowing all day long today. And the local community tragedy is that in the snow and the ice, a big semi jackknifed and took out people. Oh. <gasps> Oh, today? Yesterday. Oh. And unfortunately, the people that uh, that were taken out were high school kids who were playing hooky. 
Oh, no. Big, like, oh, you know. <sighs> Take our minds off the woes of the world and focus a little closer to home to extend our loving hearts to everybody involved. Mm. In that and in every place. Because we know it's not just here everywhere. There are mm-hmm. accidents, accidents because of winter weather. Yes. Yeah, we've had our today for the first time. Just I guess the day after you got yours, we got ours. Um, we had about mm-hmm. six or seven <laughs> And ours okay. is supposed to stick around. I guess we're getting down into the single digits possibly by next week and we're getting more snow Friday so I don't think we're going to get enough yeah yeah yep Mm. I didn't go on the road it was sloppy hair today staying at home was the rule of the day today at 33 degrees and snowing. It's like, oh, no, not the right temperature for getting in your automobile and going down the road. Not oh. at all. Thank you so much. Mm. So let's see what's happening with me. I've been, I spent the day working on creating my slides for the first class of the new series with um, Better Listen, Steve Stein, who sponsored me to do a five-part class on um, your herbal medicine chest. It's a good time. It's done live on Zoom, speaking of Zoom. And that starts next Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. And so I was getting ready to talk about, well, we're going to talk about nourishing herbal infusions. So the first herb I'm going to talk about is da 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 nettle. You get it right. And there's not just nettle, but there's nettle sting. And it turns out, I thought this was quite fascinating, that the mechanism of action of the nettles is both mechanical and biochemical. So when you touch it, you've seen those little, like, glass-like little, um, they're called spicules Mm -hmm. on the backs of the leaves and the stalks. Those actually do break off. Like, microscopically, you can see them broken off into the skin. And they contain a whole host of chemicals, including acetylcholine, Oxalic acid, formic acid, which is what ants have, histamines, and serotonin. Wow. So that's the biochemical part. And those chemicals cause, yo, stinging, burning, and urticarial rashes. Yes. Which develop immediately mm-hmm. and are self-limiting. The oxalic and formic acid are the initial pain that, like, Whoa! Right, that you get like when an ant bites you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the longer-term effects are caused by the histamine acetylcholine and 5-hydroxytryptamine. 
glutamine. And don't forget the serotonin in there, too. And I have certainly used whipping with fresh stinging nettle to dramatically relieve swelling and pain. Have you ever had any experience doing that? I have not done that. Um, I've exposed myself to nettle, handling it, um, and experienced the things, um, but, you know, repeatedly and in a good good amount for in a short amount of time. But, no, I've never intentionally done any, like, brushing or whipping or anything like that. I was fascinated when I did an entire class, an entire two-hour class on nettle, in which I let the 60 students in the class have the last hour of the class. You know, some didn't have anything to say, and some had five minutes worth of stuff to say about how they use nettle. And maybe a third of the people said their favorite way of using nettle was as stinging. Wow. Yeah. Same. I I feel like I really feel the sting. I don't. I, I'm curious. Maybe I would try it. Um, but I feel like I oh I appreciate her sting so much. I just don't know if I would meet it with that um, repeated intensity. <laughs> but maybe maybe I'll try it. It doesn't necessarily have to be repeated. I woke up one morning and the base of my thumb was like swollen and red, almost like my thumb had swallowed a golf ball. Oh, wow. And I went out to the nettles patch, and I ran my hand through the nettles. Initially, the nettles wouldn't sting me, and I said, please, please, look, really, I want you to sting me, just sting me. Right, and I'm running it up and down and back and forth, and finally it started stinging me. And it does. It, like, it stings. It's formic acid. It's, you know, woo. And Mm -hmm. by that. By that evening, the, all the swelling and redness was gone, and it's never come back. Wow. Well, I would certainly go to to Nettle and say, please help me with that, definitely. Um, I Usually I come across yeah. her by surprise, like she'll pop up in the garden somewhere, <laughs> and it's like, I just knelt on Nettle, and that really, I felt your thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's like I beg the apprentices, if you're going to cut it close to the ground, cut it, cut it at the ground. Don't leave ankle bites. Ooh, so smart. Yes. Right. If you leave, you know, like three inches sticking up your ankles, for sure are going to get it. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, this year I just, you know, took out from the garden, the food garden, because I don't know. She just started popping up in there this year, and whoo, she likes to surprise me in there. <laughs> and the roots, I think, sting more than the above ground parts. I yes, I I wasn't sure if I was maybe just making that up because I didn't have a lot of experience to draw from with that. But yes, like I, there was one that was like a little knuckly part of the plant, just like barely coming out of the ground and not really green but yeah it felt oh when I knelt on that it felt so intense I'm like I didn't even know I could get stung if there was barely any aerial part of the plant 
So yes, yeah. the roots also the roots contain the same spicules with the same chemicals. Whoa! Okay, that's so brand new for me. I I had no idea. I just because I can see them on the plant, but very interesting. Right. I've never dug yes. nettle roots, so I I just but never would have assumed that. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have had occasion where I've had to, like, it started growing around the edge of where I make compost. I'm like, no. No, this is not going to be okay. Right? No. Because it has really spreading roots and just spread right out into that compost area. And then, then we would carry it everywhere and there would be no garden you could ever kneel in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I will wow. admit to, you know, hauling it out of there. But, but then I make nettle rot, right? I feed it back to the plants, so it's not like it's going to waste. Because right. you don't want to just, right. like, you know, you've just taken it out of the compost pile, so you're not going to put it back in the compost pile. <laughs> right. Because it was growing oh. in the compost pile, so you're not going to, like, compost it. But you're going to... Rot it by putting it in a big container and covering it with water, and then when it mm. rots, using that as a fertilizer for your garden. And it's so good to go back and look at what I wrote years and years ago. It also can work if you add a little soap to it as an insecticide if your plants are bothered with insects. Ooh, is, would you dilute it to the same amount, or would it be stronger for that? Um, probably a little stronger, and you add some, like the mm. regular dish soap, which you do want to dilute wow. a little, right? Right, right. Oh, nice. Well, go nettle. Yay, nettle. Our friend, mm. Sister Spinster Stinging Nettle. What else do you want to talk about tonight? Oh, not a whole lot, really. We just we had lots of snow today, and um, I'm finally feeling better after last week's show. The very next day, I got good old fashioned flu, and um, had a chance to put my elderberry oxymel um, to some really purposeful use to help me feel better. So that was great to have available, and. Um, yeah, tasty too, but it was it was a couple of days that I was like, oh, this is not good, and um, glad to be feeling better now that winter really seems to be here, and there's snow to be shoveled. And there's snow to be shoveled. When I lay down for my massage yesterday, I said, maybe I stepped on my arm funny, but my right arm hurts a lot. And as it's being massaged, there's like this little voice whispering in my ear, you don't think shoveling snow for an hour might have anything to do with how your arms feel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Because, yeah, of course, I just took an extra dose of hypericum. So it wasn't like I was in, like, a lot of pain. It was just like the kind of, like, crankiness that you feel if you sleep on it wrong. I'm like, yeah, you were shoveling snow for over an hour. Come on. Mm, at um, nine o'clock, we are going to get to talk to Dr. Amanda Kemp, also known as Aminata Desert Rose Plant Walker Fire Woman. 
she graduated from Stanford University after surviving the New York City foster care system. Wow. What an amazing statement. A couple of years ago, in 2021, she had a spiritual awakening where she received her new names from an ancestor and to stop everything and that the trees on her land wanted to adopt her. So we're going to hear more about that with Dr. Amanda Kemp at 9 o'clock East Coast time. Stick with us till then or come on back to hear what she has to say. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into answering questions? Oh, no. Thank you, Susan. Okay, then. We have any hands raised? We do have a hand up already, and I'll remind everyone listening tonight, if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan, please press 1. Then we'll see your hand go up in the queue, and I'll announce your area code when it is your turn to have your line open. Uh, At this time, I do see one hand that has pressed 1. You're dialed in from the 401 area code. In the 401, you're Susan. Hi, that's me. Hey, hi. Hi, Susan. It's, my name's Karen. I called you last week. I uh, called you last week and we talked about sciatic pain. I was your last caller. So we yes. didn't get a whole lot of time to talk. Yeah, so I wanted to let you know you, you had recommended St. John's Wort Tincture. I had been doing that, but I wasn't doing it nearly enough. And um, so I did start taking it every 15 minutes like you recommended and that that helped quite a bit and so all right I, yeah maybe 50 percent better but you know, still still ways to go but that that's certainly a lot better than what i was doing which was limping around and my foot kind of dragging around when i first got up <laughs> yeah yeah oh good good um, and the, I, I really feel like the pain has an awful lot to do with, and I, we kind of touched on it last week, but didn't have a lot of time for that, it, things and things that I need to let go of and kind of like shedding of the old ways, taking a look at old patterns and just letting them go. And the more I do that, the better it feels. And I notice when I get, involved in thinking in my old ways it hurts more so it's it's here to make me let go of things <laughs> so i get it wow <laughs> you are really perceptive good for you oh. that's really so good that you can see that and not just that you can see that but that you can respond to it in a way that's kind to yourself I have not always been like that, Susan. I'm pushing 60 now, so I can't take that kind of pain. When I was younger, I would still work, work right through pain. But I'm, I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. Good for you. So thank you for that. I'm going to keep working on that. And I did want right. to ask you about whorehound. I don't recall hearing you talk too much about it but I worked with it and I a friend a few years ago gave me a plant 
it was I think in 2020 or 2019, and it did so well that I I made uh, cough syrup from it. And over the years, we've I, I tend to get bronchitis or start to feel like I'm going to get bronchitis. And oh, a four-round has been really helpful. I use Elecampane, too. But I do notice that whorehound is pretty awesome. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you to talk about whorehound for everybody. Whorehound is a mint. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of bitter. It is very bitter, but I like it. And because of that, it's one of those herbs that just kind of fell out a favor. It's not like anybody ever said, oh, yeah, whorehound. <laughs> but because it is kind of yucky, it would be at the bottom of the list, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Because the mints tend to work pretty much the same. So lemon balm is pretty much the same as whorehound, which is pretty much the same as motherwort, which is pretty much the same as lavender, which is pretty much the same as Tulsi, and on and on and on. Okay. So I could use those other herbs as a as a cough syrup. Yeah. Okay. I never thought about lemon balm or motherwort that way. All of the mints have pretty strong activity in the respiratory organs. Mm -hmm. They are also pretty strong in the digestive organs. After dinner, one drinks a cup of mint tea, but it could Mm be whorehound tea. And, of course, the more bitter the herb, generally the more liver active it's going to be. Okay. And all of the mints have more or less a mood-altering effect. There's one that grows in South America, which is actually psychedelic. Oh. But they are all known for improving mood, making you feel better. Thank you, mints. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Mitz. And I think there was something else, but it's not coming to me right now. Oh, I know what it is. It's about St. John's Wort again. I I make St. John's Wort quite a bit, so I had I have some older St. John's Wort, maybe five or six years old, that sat in a a bottle in a tincture a squirt bottle, not in a the larger bottles that I store it in, and it gets gritty, grainy stuff. What? That's what is the that? Pollen. You know what I mean? That's yeah, the it's pollen. the pollen. Okay, so I always right. just you have this plant here. in flower, so that's the pollen of that plant. Okay, so nothing and to worry about. It's heavier, right? It's heavier, and it so it falls to the bottom. Okay. It kind of clogs up the little uh, glass vial thingy. 
the dropper. Right. Yeah. It's not a good idea in general to put a dropper into an oil because the dropper is actually um, rubber and the oil dissolves it. Okay, um, but I mean in, in the tincture that, that I make with vodka, 100-proof vodka. Oh, in the tincture, I understand. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. you were talking no, about I, the oil, sorry. Yeah, no, um, no I, I have them in the little, yeah, no, I know the so, oil starts to So are you saying that there is so much there that it's a problem? I was just Did wondering, I, I think just noticed it. Like somebody sent me a vinegar of hawthorn and there was so much pectin in it that I literally couldn't pour it out of the bottle. Okay, it was a gel. Okay, yeah. It's almost like that. There's a lot of lumps and clumps and, and little little tiny particles, but it, it clumps together on an older you might You might want to strain it. Yeah, that's what I did. I was just curious if other people run. You never really see that with a store-bought tincture, I don't think, but I don't buy them. I I make them, and that one just got stuck behind in the cabinet a lot. It was a lot older than the other one. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. That was was my question, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Sure. Green blessings. We talk again. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. All right, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, all you need to do is press 1. That'll get your hand up in the queue. And when it's your turn, I will announce your area code and open your line. Uh, we have two callers at this time that have pressed 1. And the next has dialed in from the 513 area code. From the 513, you are live with Susan. Hi there, Susan. My name is Joyce. Hi, Joy. Um, it's very nice to speak with you this evening. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Um, I am uh, 50 years old. I'm going through menopause and um, just having a lot of changes. As you know, it's been a wild ride since I was about probably, oh, 46 or so, and um I'm just finding lately that I'm I'm just feeling a little stuck and, um, you know, trying to figure out what to do. I'm having some issues um, with my diet. I'm having issues um, specifically like bowel issues that resemble what people describe as leaky gut. Um, I'm having reactions to food, so food sensitivities. Um, over the holiday, my... Um, friends made, my Hungarian friends made an absolutely delicious poppy seed roll. And I had, you know, maybe a few pieces and it just put me out um, the next day where I just had pain, you know, radiating up and down my body. And um, it seemed as if it was the poppy seeds. I hadn't really had anything else that um, I could connect with. But I then recently um, okay, was at so a gathering. I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to stop us right here for a second. Thank because you. Because I find that you're certainly not alone in this. Mm-hmm. That a great many people, um, if they have an occurrence of pain, um, that 
seem to follow on eating will blame a strange food or a food they don't usually eat or whatever, and that I generally don't find that that's true. Mm. I see. So before we set off in pursuit of what is going on with poppies, uh, let's just hold back for a minute. Okay. And let me ask you to tell me what your typical diet is. That's a great question. Um, So I eat a whole foods diet. Um, I have... So part of the story here is I've recently been swayed or persuaded by um, both carnivore-type diets. Um, I have always been, uh, since my children were born, I was aware of nourishing traditions, and that's where my whole foods journey began. Um, But I'm telling you about this persuasion because then I was at a gathering and – uh, another woman came up to me and really was hard charging about parasites and how the American culture just doesn't acknowledge as other cultures do. And I haven't looked into this myself that parasites are more prevalent. And um, I'm a farmer. Um, I have farm animals that I'm around all the time. And so part of these, you know, part of what, that triggered for me was these food sensitivities, like, goodness, could I have a parasite? And I use herbal dewormers with my animals. And so, you know, I thought maybe that's um, something supportive. Specifically, I use a product, well, I I make my own um, mix, but I uh, follow Um, the guidelines of Molly's Herbals. You've probably heard of that. I have goats and cows and chickens and pigs. And and I see how um, effective that is for them. And so uh, that's a lot. (laughs) So you you like them eat directly off the ground? I do not. So this is, yeah. So you like them eat in a fenced in area? No. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not exactly clear how it is you're comparing yourself to them then. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm, you know, I'm I'm reticent and yet at the same time I'm having these issues and I'm looking for ways to support myself. You know, there used to be a real Paris problem especially in the southern part of the United States was a roundworm. And roundworm is carried by fleas, and the combination of outhouses and bare feet led to basically almost everybody having parasites. Roundworms, um, pinworms. Mm. The fact of the matter is, if you had parasites, you would know. Okay. You have decided, as a modern animal keeper, to prophylactically worm your goods. I haven't given my goats any kind of worm medication in, I don't know, maybe 40 years. Mm-hmm. 
because they don't need it. Because they're not in a fenced-in area. Mm. And so they aren't forced to eat their own feces. Ah, right. So I understand in many modern situations, it's not feasible to do what I do, which is to herd my goats, Mm -hmm. which allows them to go where they want to go when they want to go there. I really understand the difference between um, actual food production and what I'm doing, which puts cheese and yogurt and meat on my table, but is definitely very far away from food production. As a matter of fact, I get very cranky with people who go on about how bad ramp is. And I say, yeah, uh-huh. And but how many of the world's people do you actually want to starve to death? And if you don't want to use Roundup, you want to go back to using um, DDT? Mm. Oh, interesting. I, I'm a, yeah. Yes, I'm certainly all for gardening organic where I am, but I'm also for all for feeding the people of the world. Right, right. And those require different solutions. Mm-hmm. Since people have decided they don't want to live on a farm or have anything to do with food production, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Then I look at them and I say, you don't get to tell the pilot of the plane how to fly the plane. You don't get to tell the person who grows your food how to grow your food. Mm. So do you have parasites? It's pretty unlikely. The animals that you're keeping, except pigs, don't have parasites that pass to human beings. And I bet you know a parasite that passes to human beings. Mm -hmm. And it's only passed by eating their meat not well cooked, right? Right, right. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, what this person was suggesting that just got me thinking was um, the idea that, you know, and so it it made it put off an alarm bell, the idea of cleansing biannually. And so that's why I wanted to talk to you because I know about your, you know, the, the ways that you talk about the different mode, modalities of healing and if you so, waited to cleanse by April, you would be dead. Okay. <laughs> every drop of blood in your body flows through your liver every hour, and your liver cleanses your blood. Can you imagine your liver saying, oh, I'm going to break. I'm not going to do anything for six months. Yeah. <laughs> what an absurd idea. To cleanse biannually. Yeah. No, we are constantly cleansing, which is an absurd word to use. 
and the word that most often comes before the word cleanse, ethnic, as in ethnic cleanse. Because cleansing mm. is making war on ourselves. Mm. There is yeah. no need to make war on ourselves. Do you support your liver? Do you think your liver needs more support? Do you think your liver needs some help? I'm all for supporting the liver. Love your liver. The liver is wonderful. It does so much for you. Please don't try to cleanse it. The liver is not a sieve. Mm-hmm. Scrubbed out. I once taught at a really wonderful place run by a really wonderful woman who is I really enjoy her thoroughly. And she was very much involved in cleansing. And she, in fact, so involved in cleansing that she, I'm not so sure that she required, but she very, very strongly urged the students at the school to do a liver cleanse. They, I think, drank lemon juice, and then they drank a whole bunch of oil. And this went on over a period of like a week, I think. Mm. And um, a couple of things that I have found out about that is that if you do consume, like, you know, even as much as half a cup of oil at one time, your body simply cannot handle it. And what it does is it crystallizes it into green lumps, mm-hmm. which which you then defecate out. And the people involved in trying to convince you that this is a cleanse and that you're doing something good for yourself, which you're not, uh, will tell you that those are gallstones that are being passed, but they're not. Mm. So right away, I'm on guard. If I have to be wary that people are going to dissemble and not give me all the information, then I don't really feel safe. Mm-hmm. And... That means for me, if I don't really feel safe, that any information that I'm getting from a source that I don't really feel safe about, I'm going to really put through the mill. I'm going to really run. I'm going to really look into it. For instance, somebody sent me a link to somebody who is giving a talk at the UN about the these horrible things that happened when people get got vaccinated for COVID. Mm. And I'm looking at this, and here's the seal of the UN behind him, you know, and he's talking about when I was here 15 years ago talking to this august body, da-da-da-da-da. And it's so totally, like, really believable. And then with really a minor amount of sleuthing, I am really not very good at finding stuff out. I was able to find out that he had rented a room at the UN. He wasn't addressing the General Assembly. He was talking to the video recorder in an empty room. No. (laughs) Wow. 
which he had rented at the UN, so it had the UN seal in it. And somebody had actually, you know, taken some video footage of him there being recorded in this room pretending. You know? So uh, that's what I mean by check it out. Yeah. We many of us in situations where it seems like perhaps there's too much for us to know. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of give up. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't actually generally work out well. I can totally relate to that. Spoke of nettle earlier, and I um, I drank nourishing herbal infusions for years. Thank you very much. And um, a friend of mine convinced me to get back to it, not to give up. What a good friend. And so I've uh, been drinking nettle all week and um, feeling that amazing energy that comes with that healing herb. Good. Get back in the infusion routine. There's nothing that you can do that is easier, less expensive, and will really change your life. The Mm -hmm. heroic tradition is fearful and they Mm -hmm. are afraid that there are things in life that are going to hurt them and they have to be wary and unfortunately it's very difficult to be in really good health when you're afraid when you're being wary when you're concerned that life itself is out to get you. Mm. Yeah. So when we're drinking the nourishing herbal infusions, on a very deep level, we are reminding ourselves that life is out to support us. A friend of mine who lives in Israel said, The Torah teaches us that we are nothing more than a mote of dust. And we are so important that the whole universe was brought into existence for our benefit. Both things are true. That's so great. Thank you. Thank you for those words. And thank you, Rivka, for reminding us. Good night, and hope to speak with you again soon. I'm looking forward to hearing your speaker this evening. I'm a teacher, and um, I, I feel that she has a powerful message to share with us. So thank you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night.
Good night. All right. And I'll remind everyone, if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this this evening, all you need to do is press 1, and that will get your hand raised in the queue. At this time, I am seeing one caller that has raised their hand, and you've dialed in from the 570 area code. From the 570, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan and Mary Ellen. Sarah Ellen. Sarah Ellen, sorry. Sarah All right. Ellen. Um, Hi, how are you tonight? I'm good. I, I'm calling to talk about oat straw infusion. All right, wonderful. I, um, yeah, um, for, for a few years, I've been drinking the infusion rotation, and I have always found that oat straw helps me to go to the bathroom. Um, and lately it's, um, well, I, I want to talk about, I have this oat straw from a, a different company actually. And it's, um, it's making a very, very, very dark infusion. Um, and I don't think I can drink it. Um, it's, it's, it's giving me that same activated feeling like deep in my guts, but it's too much. It's leaving me um, like in pain and unable to like function when your guts are feeling like that. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what about does it, this. Does it, how does it smell to you when you put your nose in the bag? How does it smell? Oh, um. Uh, no, it smells. Uh, I'm not sure how to. Okay, does it smell at all musty or moldy? It might be a little musty. Mm-hmm. Um, That's yeah. what I think. Sounds to me like you're reacting to a mold contamination. Okay. Of the oat straw, which can happen if it's not dried well or not and or not stored well. Yeah. <clears throat> So the color of the oat straw has really basically to do with how dry the oats have gotten before they were harvested. So, and as we know, you know, we might wake up and say, oh, I'm going to go do this today, and then the weather says, ha, ha, that's what you think. Um... The in general, the older the oat straw is, the darker it's going to be. Yeah, this is dark. So if it's harvested just when the grain is ripe, it will be a kind of light green color. Or even if the oat straw is harvested before the grain has ripened, if it's just being harvested for oat straw, 
and they're not even waiting for any grain harvest. Then it can be very light green. But the color doesn't really mean too much of anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's not um, the color that that we're getting the stuff from. The color usually comes from tannins. Yeah. And tannins tannins develop as the plant gets older, right? Mm-hmm. I was wondering if I was having a reaction to tannins for sure. I uh, yeah, I was I was wondering too if it might be particularly tannin rich. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you get your herb from, it's not a bad idea depending on how much you get to at least open a sample bag from what you get and check it out. And if it looks too dark or it looks like something that you don't want to use, most herb suppliers are very good about taking herb back. Okay. And again, I don't know exactly who you're working with and so on, but um, Mm -hmm. it's certainly worth a try if you notice right away, oh, this is, uh, you know, I'm going to have a reaction to something that's this dark. It's certainly possible. Okay. Do you you tend to have... um, a reaction to, like, the tannins in wine, for instance? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that answers that. Right. <laughs> um, yes. I I am... Just also curious what it is about oat straw that does help me to go to the bathroom. Probably magnesium and other minerals. But I... um, All of the nourishing herbal infusions are very mineral rich. mm -hmm. And so far as I can tell... Our bodies need a lot of minerals, and we thrive most when we can get a lot of minerals from our food. This is one of the reasons why I am so insistent with people that they cook their food, because eating food that is poorly cooked that isn't cooked long enough, no matter how good the food is going to probably result in a nutrition shortfall because you simply haven't cooked it long enough for the nutrients to be freed up from the cell walls of the plants. Yeah. And I, you know, I think... This is like the time of year when it seems like it's hard to eat if it's not really available. Really well cooked, right. 
Yeah. So, and I know that you know that through Western, your involvement with Western Price and so on. Mhm. Yeah, it's a little hard to eat this this time of year. Um, hard to eat we, raw things, you mean? Not hard to eat at all. So it's like this yeah. is the time of year when when many people gain weight because they find it so easy to eat at this time of year. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I I but maybe like I think that I am extra weary this time of year. Extra tired. Yeah. Um some people find that um really making the effort to get outside First thing in the day, and to get some sunlight on your eyes can go a long way toward relieving that. Some sunlight on on my what? Your closed eyes. Oh. That you go Ooh. outside in the morning and let some sunlight strike your face. And your eyes, but your eyes don't have to be open. They can be closed. It's not like you have to stare at the sun, sort of say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And sleeping can be like sleeping your habit of sleeping can be so i think different also this time of year compared to other times of year whereas yeah i i really just want to sleep for the last part of the day and be awake for a lot of the nighttime and then maybe sleep again <laughs> um well you know Interestingly enough, many anthropologists never really paid very much attention to indigenous people's sleep patterns. And it turns out that that, what you're describing is a far more natural sleep pattern in non-industrialized cultures. Like it's just the industrialized culture that has this kind of real difference between night and day, especially, you know, in the tropics. Like, my daughter tends to get up before dawn and go out to the beach because it's about the only time that the beach is tolerable. Mm -hmm. Right? Once the sun comes up, it's just impossible to be out on the beach. Yeah. So, if we have to, you know, follow that nine-to-five pattern, that kind of industrialized pattern, then it makes it hard to just sleep when we want to and be up when we want to. Mm -hmm. But other than that, there's nobody but the sleep police telling you that you're supposed to sleep eight hours at a time. Nope. Nope. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
So I'm very encouraging to people to be at ease with themselves in how they get their sleep so long again as it works with the rest of your life. You you know, we can't pretend that the rest of that isn't there. Mm -hmm. But I know healthy, productive people on all kinds of sleep schedules. Mm -hmm. It is definitely true that if you are up more at night and sleep during the day, you're far more prone to cancer. There is an innate rhythm that um, gets upset. And we see this with, you know, people who work those kinds of schedules. Um, where is it in the Seven Medicines book or one of your other books, like ways to check on yourself, like regarding cancer? Or what it like is it a is it a um, yeah, I don't know, like how do you i there's i herbalism is anti cancer and and nourishing traditions is and but is i don't, there a way I don't know to, yeah. I'm not sure what you mean by anti cancer in general. We can live a very, very healthy lifestyle and nonetheless have a cancer diagnosis. Mm. I met a woman who was diagnosed with breast cancer in her 20s who was conceived, born, and grew up on an organic farm. Mm -hmm. So certainly we know that there are certain lifestyle choices that make you less prone to cancer. What I found was that those same good lifestyle choices, should you get a cancer diagnosis, are going to get you through the treatment better because you've Mm -hmm. created a healthy platform for yourself. Many people actually succumb not so much to the cancer, but to the treatments, which are very harsh. Right. Nonetheless, the hormone-disrupting chemicals that can trigger cancer are everywhere. Mm -hmm. See, the people who want you to be afraid of parasites are rightfully terrified about these chemicals, but there's not a darn thing anybody can do about them. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they are forever chemicals. It's like people who say, well, I don't take antibiotics. And I go, you take antibiotics with every bit of water you drink because antibiotics are forever. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't go away. They can't be gotten rid of. You can't cleanse them. They're in your water. They're in the air. They're, you know, they're out there. 
how we want to be as abundantly well as we can, given everything else that's going on. How how do people typically find out they have cancer? I'm not sure I mean, what you mean by typically, but let's let's look at a few different scenarios. We have what you might call your typical American who eats a standard American diet. Yes, that's S A D. And that is ultra processed food. That's extremely high in refined products and synthetic products. And because of this, most of the sensory organs of the body don't function well because if they functioned well, the people wouldn't be able to eat that way. It's one of the very interesting things that happens when you drink nourishing herbal infusions is that mm-hmm. your desire for foods changes because mm-hmm. suddenly your senses are working very well indeed, and it's just very difficult to get. Rancid, yucky food past your nose and your mouth. Hooray. Mm-hmm. Right? So that standard American person, your typical person, having cut themselves off from the sensory input of their own body by their food choices, and then often leading very sedentary lives, which further cuts you off from your own body, have very little way to tell what's going on with themselves. They rely on tests. So they are encouraged to go on a yearly basis to a doctor to be tested for a variety of things and then to take drugs for the rest of their lives to deal with the numbers that they have that are wrong. Mm -hmm. So I don't really think you're interested in typical because I don't think you're typical. No. You've already told me that you eat a healthy whole foods diet. So right away you're not typical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess how would I? I, I, okay. probab- I probably wouldn't be too far off the mark if I guessed that at least now and then you meditate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just going for a walk by yourself, I count that as meditation. It's a moving meditation. It's a time where you're not responsible to anybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't play recorded music in my home Mm -hmm. because I want to feel my own feelings and be present with my own senses and my own body. Mm -hmm. I remember going to visit Ralph Blum, he picked me up at the airport and we came to his house in Malibu, right on the ocean. The ocean crashing and thrashing and bashing and making so much noise. Then we went into Ralph's home and he turned on the television and he turned on the stereo system. And I said, my gosh, Ralph, what are you doing? He says, drowning out the sound of the ocean. It seems to me that a lot of people are living like that. Even people who have otherwise healthy habits don't create little nooks and crannies to be with themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so people said to me, well, how did you know? How did you know you had you pursued that biopsy? How did you know? How did you have the, the strength to pursue it? And I said, it was very clear. My body just very clearly said to me, uh-oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not not okay. You you need to do what you need to do so that we can get help with this. And it's that liminal space between obsessing about every little fart and burp and noticing the one thing that's really out of place. Okay. Yeah. I also take an attitude of assuming the worst. If I assume the worst and I assume I have cancer, if I'm thinking about it, I'm going to assume it. I'm not just saying we should all assume it, but if you start thinking about it, then what would I do? I would take mushrooms. Is that going to hurt me to take mushrooms? No, so I'll do that. And then I can stop worrying about it. And if if I stop worrying about it and I don't think about it again, then it wasn't something I really had to worry about. Meanwhile, I've done myself no no harm, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds all very good. Morning walk. Stay in touch with yourself. Really, really take care of yourself. You're the best one to do it. Doesn't mean you can't ask for help. Always ask for lots and lots of help, but it starts with you. And I also think that my body trusts me, that I don't make war on it, that I don't tell it that it's bad, that I don't, mm. that I don't isolate myself from it. Mm-hmm. I saw this very extreme way with a woman who had an um, unhealing wound on her foot. And as we worked emotionally with what was going on there, I realized that her language made her foot different than her. And in fact, she started talking about like divorcing it. Mm. And I said, whoa, wait a second. If we're talking about divorcing your foot, we're talking about amputation. If you really want to get away from your foot, that's what happens. It's like it gets cut off and she went, I never really thought of it that way. And that was like the turnaround place where where we were able to really like, it was really like struck her that she wasn't loving her all of herself. That the part of herself that was bothering her was outside her field of love. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of this uh, many times in meditation where I am re am re like connecting with all of my my body. <laughs> um, and yeah, like um yeah, sending it love and and but but also being reminded that I that I'm that I have all these you know parts of my body. <laughs> um, yes, that's all part of you. And if you feel this sense of maybe I should like maybe I should do what they're doing. Maybe you should have all these tests. Before you do that, please read Natural Causes by Barbara Ehrenreich. It's okay. called The Epidemic of Wellness, The Certainty of Dying, and How We're Killing Ourselves to Live. Mm-hmm. And she makes perhaps one of the most cogent points for not getting all those tests without even invoking the unstandard American that you are. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because that brings that sense of, like, I... It's a separate from my parts, my wholeness. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. And we've got about 15 more minutes. Um, I'll remind everyone, if you have a question for Susan this evening, please press 1. That will allow us to see your hand go up, and we'll know that you'd like to have your line open to speak with Susan. Um, At this time, I'm not seeing a hand raised. And, yeah, not seeing a hand raised. Yep, there it is. Um, So I'm seeing one hand raised. Uh, from the 401 area code. I think you're raising your hand again, so we'll open your line in the 401. You are live with Susan. Yeah, Yeah. hi, this is Karen again. Uh, Hi, thanks for calling back. Sure, Susan. I'm calling because I thought of another thing, and it sounds like you got some time here. I I get bit by ticks. Every once in a while, I'm outside a lot. I do a lot of walking in the woods and in silence with my dog. And uh, not too long ago, I had a tick bite. Usually, I know that they're there. Usually, they don't bother me at all. But this one got a hold of me, and it got embedded into the backside of my arm, and I never figured it out until one, you know, the next morning it was all swollen and really stuck in there. So I thought, I was wondering if you could talk about the best way to remove them, what you do immediately after, um, 
I, I did what I did, and it worked fine for me, but I just wanted to hear uh, what you would do. The first thing I do, because I'm also outside a lot, is to spray yarrow tincture on my mm. ankles. Last year, despite that, because the winter was so mild, there were an exceptionally large amount of ticks. Mm. And even with my yarrow spray, I was coming in every day with a tick crawling on me or a tick just starting to latch on. And I don't like that. Mm-mm. So I discovered a place called Insect Shield. Oh. And Insect Shield uses pyrethrum, which repels insects. It's not um, insecticide. It's not a killer. And pyrethrum is from the pyrethrum daisy. Mm-hmm. It is chemical extract at this point, but it originated from a flower. And originally I just got a piece of their clothing, but then once I saw how really effective it was, I bought the bag, and you can get a bag, and you can put your clothing in the bag, as much as you can fit in the bag, it's not a big bag, mm-hmm. and they will put pyrethrum in your clothing, and it's good for, I think, 40 washes. So it lasts for a long time. They also now sell scarves, and um, they, of course, have all their, you know, regular socks and pants and T-shirts and bandanas, hats, but there's some really pretty scarves on it. They just started selling blankets, which is nice, too. And um, so I take my um, insect shield pants, usually, that I'm wearing, and a scarf, and I have a couple of scarves so that I can give one to the apprentices, which really keeps the ticks off them as well. And that's been pretty much 100% successful. Before that, if I found a tick that was on me, I used my fingernails to pull it off. Deer ticks don't have a mouth part or a head part that allows them to actually penetrate the skin, although when the skin swells up around it, it looks like it. That's what happened to me. But in fact, they are merely glued to the skin, and there's no part of them that's actually inside you. They're licking your blood with their tongue, with their proboscis. And uh, they do have a little saw-like thing that they have used to cut off some of your skin and then put an anticoagulant there. Um, and if you pull it off at just the right time, you can actually see them holding on to that little piece of skin they've snipped off of you. It's pretty sunny. <laughs> and um, when I do that, I put whatever tincture I have at hand on it. If it's yarrow or echinacea, so much the better. Yeah, I use um, echinacea. Yeah. yeah. And then I brew myself up a quart of astragalus infusion. Mm-hmm. And I drink that over the next three or four days. And then I fill up with the same root, pour more boiling water over it, and drink that so that I've had at least a cup of astragalus for a week afterwards. Okay, yep, I did that too. So we did pretty much the same thing. We did. I just never heard of that company, and that's great for my outdoor clothes because, honestly, I don't wash them very much. (laughs) Why bother? 
<laughs> Why bother their outdoor clothes? Exactly. You know, it's like. <laughs> well, my dog, Insect I shield. My dog. Yeah. I have been very happy with every single thing. And everybody that I said, hey, Insect Shield has also said, yeah, they're great. So hurrah. All right. So just look that up online, Insect Shield. Insect Shield, you got it. Okay. That's very interesting new info. Thank you. You're welcome, Green Sussings. Thanks for asking. Good night. Good night. All right, and it looks like we've got about nine minutes before our guest is scheduled to join us, and that leaves enough time for a question. If anyone listening has a question, you just need to press one, and that will get your hand raised in the queue, and we'll have enough time to open up your line here this evening. Um, I do not have any email questions at this time. And I'm not seeing a hand in the queue. Um, what would you like to do, Susan? Well, I was talking to Astrid the other night, and she had a real homesteader's tale. The, uh, you know, they live in Colorado. And she said, nobody plows for you where they live. You have to have a truck and a plow yourself. Hmm. You're responsible for your driveway, and many people have, like, roads that lead to the roads, and they're responsible not just for their driveway, but, like, the dirt road or gravel road or whatever it is that leads out to the main road as well. And, of course, their plow broke. Oh, no. Right. Well, it's one of those things I say, right? But, you know, for most of the time, the difference between homesteading and farming is that farmers have to fix machines, and homesteaders often don't. But here they are homesteading, and they have to fix machines. And it's cold, and it's snowing. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But at least he can come inside and warm his hands by the wood stove, not. Suddenly, the wood stove starts belching smoke, and they have to somehow get the burning wood out of the stove and throw it outside so they can cool the stove down and try to find out what's wrong with the stove. Oh, my word. Meanwhile, because they've let the fire go out so they can get the stove cool enough to deal with, to see what's wrong with the stove, the plumbing stops working. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> wow. <laughs> At least I have goat's milk. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. I know that a great many people listening are going, well, why are they laughing? This is such a sad story, but we're laughing because it's like, um, <laughs> we chose it. We've actually chosen to live like this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's true. We have. <laughs> That's really oh. what I'm laughing about. Hmm. But, uh, you know, that there they are without a snowplow, without any heat, without any water. 
And Astrid's laughing, too. She says, you know, life is just so silly sometimes. Yep, yep. And what are you going to do at that yeah. point? It's like, okay, here here we are. We've got we are. a lot of work to get this put back together. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, well, you know, I'm seeing now two hands that have gone up. So we've got about five hey, minutes. Do you want to do the first one yeah, at least? Okay. Yeah, let's see what we can do in five minutes. It's two hands. All right. Uh, we'll go the sound right of two hands. Yes. Then uh, the 619. <laughs> you first one is your hand up in the 619 area code. Hi. This is Jesse. Hi. Hi. So real quick then, I'm I'm curious what might be wrong with me. I recently, well, I breathe really shallowly. Normally, I'm 72, and um, I heard of something called hypopressives. So it's like uh, helping to pull all your organs back in by um, kind of creating a suction with your diaphragm. Um, And I think I may have done it too vigorously when I first started learning about it. And I have a... Um, kind of like a pull or uncomfortable sensation right under my rib on the right-hand side, way up, way up, you know? Like not underneath it, but where your ribs come together in the middle, right there on the right-hand side. Does that make sense? That right-hand side is a really interesting area. If you put your hand so that your little finger is at your last rib, then okay. your hand is and your hand is basically lying over your liver at this point, okay. which is protected by your rib cage. Where your fingers are pointing, that area towards the middle there is where the pancreas is. So right in that area, we have the liver, the gallbladder, and the pancreas, and that's also where the food comes out of the stomach. So it's a big, like, big deal going on there. There's a lot of stuff happening there, and you're quite right. The diaphragm is also right in that area as well. It's a muscle that is um, attached to the lower part of the ribcage. So, so it's, it sort of feels so, like a sore muscle. Will you say that you breathe shallowly? What does that mean? Like I don't really breathe all the way down. I sort of just breathe my chest. And sometimes I even notice when I'm breathing in, my stomach is pulling in as though I'm trying to fill my upper lungs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. feels like maybe something, maybe something... <clears throat> You might have seen an opera singer doing, but I know they would need to use their whole lung, so that's not true. <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, In general, uh, human beings tend to breathe about 12 times a minute. So you might just want to, like, sit and breathe with clock and see how many times... A minute, are you actually breathing? Shallow breathing would be more breaths than 12. I mean, and 12 a minute is actually pretty rapid now, isn't it? 
And when I was at the Zendo in Japan, the meditation master called me in and said, uh, you know, you're disturbing the other meditators because you're breathing so fast. And I said, ooh, I'm like, you know, counting so that I'm doing like 20 seconds per breath. That's three breaths per minute. She said, could you slow it down to two a minute, please? <laughs> <laughs> right? So you can't breathe in for very long at all, but you can breathe out for long amounts of time. Yes. And what's most important for most people is to breathe out. And so any pranayama, which is the yoga of breath, that is uneven so that you're breathing in, say, for a count of three or four, and then breathing out for twice that, say, for a count of six to eight, mm-hmm. is generally helpful to get people to breathe more coherently because the lungs are going to fill up. A vacuum has been created by your breathing out. And a vacuum demands to be filled. Your lungs are going to be filled. We we exert no effort of any kind in inhaling. It just happens. We want to really focus on the exhale because the more thoroughly we can exhale, the more air we're going to get when that next vacuum gets filled. Okay. All right. Well, yes. I don't think you've hurt yourself by what you've done, but I think you're noticing your body, and I think that's good. And when you feel that pain, what many people instinctively do is put their hand where that pain is, and because then they're not taught anything about that, they tend to like worry, 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 oh my goodness, what's wrong with me kind of energy. And instead, when you feel that pain and you put your hand there, I, may I suggest that you go, love, 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 love. Oh, how wonderful. Yes. Right? Yes. I don't think there's anything and- wrong with you, truly. Okay, good. I mean, besides good. the usual, you're alive and you will die. Other than that, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> and keep taking risks. Yes. <laughs> and keep taking risks. Good for you. Why got it, girl? Thank you so much. Thanks for your question. Green blessings. Good night. <laughs> Green blessings. All right. And I am seeing another hand raise, but I'm not seeing our guest. Here in the queue yet. Um, I could open the line for the hand. So you're saying that you haven't, you're not seeing our guest right now. I am not. Um, I can try to dial her in. Um, if you'd like me to do that. Um, yes, and let's I can see do if we that can dial. Either. Okay, hold on just a moment. Let me do that. All right, see if we can get Dr. Amanda Kemp here, also known as Amanata. I keep wanting to say Amanita, but it's Amanata, Desert Rose, Plant Walker, Firewoman, who graduated from Stanford University after surviving the New York City foster care system. She is the founder and producer of the Mother Tree Community and the Mother Tree Network podcast, which is in the top 
10% of all podcasts globally. Applause, applause. Aminata is an Amazon best-selling author. Her book is Stop Being Afraid, Five Steps to Transform Your Conversations About Racism, a workbook for individuals who want to be more effective in racial justice. Her memoir, Say the Wrong Thing, Stories and Strategies for Racial Justice and Authentic Community is used in high schools and colleges throughout the U.S. Clap, clap, clap. She is also a visiting scholar at Franklin and Marshall College and the winner of the 2018 ADVO's Dignity in Dialogue Award. In her capacity as a board member of the Lancaster NAACP, performing artist and master teacher, she has helped over 30,000 people have more open-hearted conversations about racism and compassionate community. In 2021, Dr. Amanda had a spiritual awakening where she received her new names from an ancestor and received the message to stop everything the trees on her land wanted to adopt her. Oh, oh, ha, ha. Over the course of a two-year learning journey, Dr. Kemp has been working with deep truth underneath social justice, journeying with plants and fungi, and has integrated the wisdom from trees into her Mother Tree Network podcast and community and continues her deep apprenticeship to the earth and to the female divine. Dr. Amanda Kemp can now be found teaching and creating theater, poetry, and ritual via Theater for Transformation and inside the Mother Tree community. Did you get her? I got a voicemail. Went straight to voicemail, no ringing. Um, I also sent her a text message um, in addition to the message I left with our... Yeah. Um, let's see. I We still have a hand raised if you want to take another call. Yes, and I can let you know. that's a that. land idea. Okay, great. We'll go to the 212 area code. We see your hand in the 212. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. That's me, the 845 with the cell phone instead of landline. Ah, uh, okay. Hey, hi. <laughs> How are you tonight? <laughs> I am. I am questioning all my uh, natural healing things that don't move me in the right direction. And I got uh, about a month ago something that's supposed to strengthen my immune system, and it's called cell food. The number one oxygen nutrient supplement. And uh, it's supposed to do really miracles. It's 
around in the market for the last 90 years internationally, and it increases energy level, brain functioning, lung breathing function, strengthens the immune system, a most powerful antioxidant, eliminates bacteria and parasites, and so on and so forth. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like singing metal. So, uh, you know, uh, I drink it, uh, a few drops of it, and three glasses of water a day, and I expect miracles, which we know whenever I say anything that uh, has the word expectation in it, it usually doesn't work. (laughs) Usually you're right. (laughs) Yeah. So I was thinking maybe to ask you if, you, um, you know, know anything about it. I wrote here what's inside of it, but not quantities. So it has the ionized water, grape juice, magnesium sulfate, deuterium sulfate, calcified seaweed, lithomamnium calcareum. I think that's the derivation of calcium something. It's Latin, and then catalyzed altered water with fossilized organics. <laughs> I don't know anything about this thing. So that's uh, all that's in there? Pardon? Th- that's it? Of, uh, that's what is in it. Oh, and I'm so thrilled I, that it's got such a short list of ingredients. So, basically, it's water with a few mineral supplements in it. Yeah, right. It has a slightly lemony taste. Seaweed, I know it's a good thing. I don't know if calcified seaweed is better. Yeah, I don't know what calcified seaweed is. Usually, if something's calcified, it's inedible. Right. Oh, why? I'm not quite, not quite sure about the calcified seaweed. That's a, a, a new one on me for sure. Wow. Well, the guy who is, like, on call told me that lots of people got help. The, the, the way I got inclined to try it was that I heard in a prayer group that someone said, that she was pregnant and she couldn't breathe. Well, I can't breathe after making five steps because of my heart. And she said that the moment she took this in one week, she was fine. And, and you know, and she was fully pregnant, like at the end of her pregnancy. And uh, I was very impressed by something that is so innocently simple and uh, has such a, an effect on it. And... Uh, that's why I said, okay, you know, I'll try it. It's only drinking water with some drops in it. Drinking water, I know it's good. I noticed that I don't drink that much water. No, anymore. drinking water is not good. Drinking water is not good at all. No, I don't drink water. You know, I drink my teas. And it says calcified, and stuff, calcified seaweed is similar to real seaweed. 
Yeah. But it contains high levels of calcium and magnesium. It can be used in place of garden lime to raise the pH of your soil. Uh-huh. My soul. It's a natural <laughs> product that is very useful for organic gardeners. Oh, well, I am not a garden. I don't know how useful it is for me. Using calcified seaweed to improve your soil. Calcified seaweed, learn how to use it in your garden. Calcified seaweed is a red seaweed which grows on the seabed. Oh, that's interesting. Calcified seaweed, naturally occurring soil conditioner. Releases calcium, magnesium, carbonate. Breaks down heavy soil. You only have to apply it once every three years. Oh. Yeah, that's not because it Because it is very slow to release minerals. Uh-huh. So, basically, you have bought water with a soil mm-hmm. amendment. Mm-hmm. And... It doesn't really matter because what you really brought was hope. I need healing. I need, you know, so the shingle pain still burns me. If it's worth it to you to think that that can change things, I'm all for it. It doesn't sound like it will hurt you. It might hurt your pocketbook a little bit other than that. I said I'll give it a try for four months and not more than that. And um, I don't, I, I don't feel uh, anything spectacular change in my immune system. But it's true. In winter time, I sleep like a bear. Besides my heart condition and my shingle pain and. Uh, my being unable to walk and all the other pains um, without taking anything I sleep and with taking everything I sleep. (laughs) 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 That's a story. (laughs) Trying to to find a price for this calcified seaweed here as a soil amendment. Well, I don't think I'm, I'm going to take that separately. I, you know, it's, uh, here is a combination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calcified seaweed, pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so, it's good to hear your voice and good to hear that you are continuing on. Yeah, I do my teas and my hawthorn and... Infusions, and uh, I am praying, and I help people praying for them, and that is a source of satisfaction. And I still did not learn to pray for myself with results. And I think the problem is self-abandonment, and I know it's a big problem. I was born with it. And I have to get rid of it, to get rid of it, or to to grieve, or to mourn, or to bury, 
that can separate me from this terribly victimized past. Yes. Yes, to mm-hmm. become the parent that yeah. that um, vulnerable child in yourself needs. Yeah, you know, and I didn't have a parent it's like not, that. Certainly not that you want to get rid of the victim. I mean, the victim's already been gotten rid of, so you don't need to get rid of it further. What you want to do is to cherish the victim. Not to be the victim, but to cherish it. Because the victim is the part of us that needs to be cherished and taken care of. Well, I'm trying to it's a victim. So far, it's only learned how to get taken care of by being a victim. But you're going to say, hey, you don't have to be a victim. I'm just going to love you and take care of you because you deserve it. And I don't want to do that. I have an enormous resistance at doing that. A little, bit at a, a little bit at a time. You don't have to do it all at once. Any little bit that you can do, Kat. Truly. I can't do less. I can't do less than I am doing. <laughs> Truly. You know, I started off by buying myself a stuffed elephant because I remembered that my little girl was very upset because her filthy, bedraggled stuffed elephant was taken away from her. Of and so oh. I said, let me buy you a new one. Oh, how sweet! Yeah, I have, I have those, I have those pacifiers. Yes, and then just looking at it or touching it reminds you, yes, I'm taking care of this part of myself. Doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't have to throw a party. You can. I'm not against it, but it's the small quotidian, the small daily things that really make a big, big difference. Thank you. I I know, I know this, and I don't want to do it. I mean, I do it. I, I feed myself. I eat good food. I rest. I sleep. I wash. I meet my family. I pray. Yes. Uh, I I organize my exit so that my daughter wouldn't have too much to throw out, but I don't separate from my books and I don't do everything I can to parent myself. I admit. No one could do everything they can. You do what what you can. Not everything you can, but what you can. Now, obviously what I can is not helpful. I am sick. I, that that sounds very harsh. Yes, I know. Yes. You have to look, look at, I mean, you're still here. You're still doing all this. Oh, my gosh. The doctors are already, like, amazed, aren't they? Yes. They had you written off, like, two years ago. Come on. How can you say it's not making any difference? It's making a difference. Yeah, it's six years that I'm refusing all medical attention except one pill. And uh, compared to other people, uh, I am a good survivor. Compared to other people, you are 
an absolute miracle, without a doubt. The same thing, I was talking to my friend Free today, who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis 40 years ago and has refused all medication and is still alive. Now, she hasn't been basically able to move any of her body except her face for over five, five years, but she's still with us. Yeah. And so yeah. are you. And wow, you know, I was talking to a friend in her and I was saying, you know, what did you do today? And she said, well, not much. And I said, okay, let's go over it. You got up. You got yourself groomed. You got yourself dressed. You got yourself fed. I said, those are things that other people your age can't do. So let's give you gold stars for doing all that, okay? Yeah. But, of course, I live in the past with expectations for the future. Okay, the expectation of who you were way back then. No, that you do that now. Wow, you get the gold stars. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. Sometimes when I feel better, I say, gee, you know, I have a little more memory than my neighbor. <laughs> yes. I find it help. I find it helpful, you know, if I get into one of those like mental states where I go, pain, and they go, huh? And how much pain were you in three years ago and two years ago? And right, take a look. It's it's less now. It may you may not be leading the pain-free existence that you imagined that you lived back then. (laughs) But that's our wonderful imagination, which makes everything in the past seem so rosy. Oh, no, 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 my past is not rosy. I admit not rosy. that I feel a lot better. I feel a lot okay, better good. compared to from where I started after a post-shingle, yeah. Yes, yes. With all the suffering, I am a lot better, yeah. That's what I think. Too. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. The bones. I have to remind myself over and over again, too. We all have to remind ourselves that yeah. um, it's not a straight line up. It's not like you go from unwell to well on this ramp. It's a curve. It's a path. It's a spiral. And we get to revisit yes. places and say, oh, here I am here again. Oh, my goodness. Now, when I was here last time, I did this and this, or I felt this and this, or I said this and this about it. This time, do I want to do the same thing, or do I want to try something different? Yes. 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 Amen. Oh, my. Yeah. When you're saying mm, that. So good to hear your voice. So glad to hear your thank voice. You. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, thank you. Love you, love you. I love Dream you. Blessing. Dream blessings. Amen. Dream blessings. So it looks like we're not going to get to hear. From our guest, how sad. There is something that you all have heard me 
talk about. And that is that so long as we perpetuate either individually, culturally, or collectively, a mindset in which good is high and white and bad is low and dark, then we are going to be racist. Because to me, that is the origin of racism. And I was amazed when I spent time with African natives, not in Africa, to see this same white, good, black, bad belief system. So that to be spiritual, you wore white clothes. And yes, that a lighter skin was pure. I remember way back, it must have been 1979 or 80, and I went to a talk by the man who wrote the book on iridology. And Jensen, I think his name was, I'm not sure. And um, he had a blonde white man with blue eyes get up on stage and had the nerve to tell us that this was the ideal human being. That the ideal human being has blonde hair, blue eyes, and white skin because they are pure. And that this purity is changed by accumulated filth which is passed down through the generations causing the hair, the eyes, and the skin to look like feces, to turn dark. I was so horrified by the racism of this statement that I got up and left. I did, however, that day become friends with somebody who worked for him and who was helping him with the book. And she and I remained friends for a few years. And she told me that basically everything that he was writing in the book was completely falsified. And it was one of the things that certainly kind of made me understand the heroic tradition and that the methods that the heroic tradition would use to convince people that they were bad and that they were filthy and dirty. So what you've heard me say here many times is to counter the idea that spiritual is high or that spiritual is light or that spiritual is white or white light. In fact, there is black light, but there is no such thing as white light, interestingly enough. And to reaffirm and reawaken in us the awe of the deep. 
I have nothing against high. I look up. It's wonderful to look up and look up at the stars and the clouds and the sun and the moon and the birds and the treetops. But I also look down. And I like to think that I can look through what I see on the surface and then I can look down into the mycelium into the deep interconnection between things, the roots, the underground jewels, the literal jewels that lie under our feet. I know that my ancestors and the gifts of my ancestors are down there. When I'm teaching meditation and we talk about grounding, I complain that for many people, being grounded was punishment. Oh, you have misbehaved, so you're going to be grounded. And to do my best to redeem being grounded so that it's not a punishment. It's not something that gets put on you because you've misbehaved, but that it is a natural way to grow, to Put your roots down deep into the deep and nourishing dark. When I get sick, and this was more true more often when I was younger, I run a very high fever that often causes me to hallucinate. The hallucination that I'm remembering looked like a glowing white globe of light coming toward my face. Because of my cultural conditioning, I welcomed that globe. It touched my face and merged with me. I closed my eyes and felt it, and when I opened my eyes, there was a black globe hanging above my face. And because of my cultural conditioning, I didn't welcome it. I energetically shoved it away. And at the moment that I did that, I felt the loss. I felt what I was doing. I realized that I had refused half of the gift. Because I had been conditioned to fear black. Although I lived in the South, my parents were from the North, and they were very much against overt racism. And I grew up with that, and yet my culture deeply taught me something different. That I should fear black. That I should want to be high and white. It required an effort of will. It requires an effort of will on all of our parts. All of our parts. No matter what color we're wearing on the outside. 
to encompass all of it with awe, all of it with love, all of it with joy. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.